Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. This week, we're going to dive into the Word, and we're going to kick off and uh, complete our Christmas sermon series in two weeks. So um, we've been talking about prayer, which has been really important. Uh, But for the next couple of weeks, we're going to hit two very important themes of the Advent season, which are the themes of joy. Everybody say joy. Joy. And love. Everybody say love. Love. Now, you also have uh, two other Advent Advent themes, which you know of as hope and peace. But we spent time talking about prayer during those two weeks, so you get to study those on your own. Uh, For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about joy and we're going to talk about love. And so every year around the Advent season, here's something that I love to do, and I hope you guys love this too, is that I love to go and look in the Book of Common Prayer and the Divine Lectionary and see what the readings are for those particular Sundays because I love the idea of reading the Christmas story alongside millions, literally millions of other believers all around the world in local churches in throughout the nations. And so I did that this week, and I have a wonderful passage of Scripture selected for us today, which comes to us from John chapter 3, verse 22 through 30. So if you'd like to open up your Bible and read it there, you're more than welcome. If you'd like to read it off the screen with me, you can. So John chapter 3, verse 22 through 30 in the English Standard says this. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside And he remained there with them and was baptizing. Now, we know from another passage of Scripture that Jesus was not personally baptizing uh, disciples, but his disciples were baptizing disciples. Now, John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim. Uh, Anon literally means springs. So we know there was an abundance of water where John was because water was plentiful there. And people were coming and being baptized For John had not yet been put into prison. So it gives us a little uh, historical, uh, chronological understanding of this time in the ministry of both John and Jesus, whom have now both begun baptizing. So you have Jesus baptizing and you have John baptizing. And now we're about to get a glimpse into a third baptism that's happening concurrently, which is the baptism of the Jews. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples, and discussion is a biblically polite way of saying argument. Now, a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. Now, this is also baptism. So what we're seeing here in the scriptures is we're seeing a layout of three different baptisms, okay? So just some history. So you got the baptism of Jesus. You got Triple J happening right here. Jesus, John, and the Jews baptisms okay and uh and so they came to john these are the disciples of john they came to john and they said to him after having this argument with the jew rabbi now i want you to read this like a complaint because that's exactly what it is rabbi he who was with you across the jordan to whom you bore witness next slide um look he is baptizing and all are you are you are you picking up on the complaint Everybody, God. 
good, Napoleon, right? Uh, and all are going to him. Well, then John answered, and you got to catch this wisdom right here because really this is the crux of uh, John's response. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear, bear me witness, meaning remember I have said this. I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. So what is John confessing here? He's saying, look, I'm not the bridegroom. I've not come as the savior of the world. That is the job of Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. I'm not the one that gets the bride as the result of my ministry. I am a forerunner for the ministry of the bridegroom, whom is Jesus. I have a different role. The friend of the bridegroom. Everybody say the best man. Anybody ever been a best man before? A few of you guys? It's quite a delightful duty, isn't it? Because you get to watch your best buddy marry the woman of his dreams, and that's pretty fun. Would you guys agree? So that's what John is, is telling his disciples here. He said, man, listen, I'm the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears the bridegroom and rejoices greatly. Everybody say rejoices greatly. Remember, this week is about joy. He rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Man, I pray that that would be our reality. When Jesus speaks, it always sparks joy. Like our hearts are bursting forth with so much joy every time we listen to the words of Jesus. And he says, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Wow. He must increase, but I must decrease. Everybody, let's read that last, uh, last two sentences. Therefore, this joy of mine, just put your hand on your heart, this joy of mine is now complete. Woo! That's what the Advent came to bring you. This joy of mine is now complete. Jesus has come. This joy of mine is now complete. Jesus has been born. This joy of mine is now complete. Come on. Can we just tap into that this Sunday morning? Jesus is alive. This joy of mine is now complete. Wow. Now, I don't know if you're getting excited yet, but I might just have to listen to this podcast myself because I want my joy to be complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Anytime you decrease and Jesus increases, joy will be made complete. So I love the fact that John the Baptist says this joy of mine is now complete because you will not believe how this phrase literally translates. Are you guys ready for this? I'm, I'm going to give you some Greek here, okay? This is super cool. Like, we're going to love this here as legacy. It translates as this. My joy has leveled up. I read that. I was like, are you serious, Lord? Now, that right there is a word for our fam. 
my joy has leveled up. And see, this is what Jesus' advent comes to bring us. A leveling up of our joy. So the title of the message today is Increasing Your Joy Levels. How many of you guys could use that? Even if you don't think you need it, you need it. All right? There's always more joy available through Jesus. And we know that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy far above his companions. What does that tell you? That the one who knew everything, who had a valid excuse to be discouraged, walked into every situation and walked through every single season with so much joy that he became the life of any party he stepped into. I think that the world could use some of that Jesus joy. I think the world that we live in today needs some joy bombs from the people of God as they step into the darkness and they say, no, no, my portion is not despair. My portion is the joy of the Lord. I have leveled up in my joy this holiday season. That shall be my proclamation in Jesus' name. So let's define joy here. I'm first going to look at the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. And here's how uh, Baker defines it. The Bible defines joy as a feeling called forth by well-being, success, or good fortune. A person automatically experiences it because of a certain favorable circumstances. It cannot be commanded. And so my takeaway from Baker's definition is this. Joy is the feeling of favor. You are favored. Therefore, you are legally allowed to pour forth with an abundance of joy. Joy is the feeling of favor. Now, let's look at the Dictionary of Bible Themes and read that definition. So, uh, a quality or an attitude of delight and happiness, which is ultimately grounded in the work of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Among the many situations in which joy is experienced, Scripture recognizes as, as its supreme being accepted in the presence of God. Now that is the gospel right there. Joy is when we experience the knowing of being accepted by God in His presence. Joy is when we experience the knowing of being accepted by God. Did you receive that this morning in worship? That's, that's what joy is. That's how you experience uh, heavenly joy is you come into the presence of God, you come into that place of worship, and you start to receive that revelation. You start to know in your knower. I am accepted by God. Wow. My joy has been made complete. And that does make you happy. And if you don't have joy this morning, I want you to know it's here. It's here right now, right here, today, and it's available. Why? Because Jesus has come. The advent has happened. So John describes his feelings of joy as being made complete. Now, we know that that means he's describing his joy as having leveled up. But it also means that his joy has been fully satisfied 
that his joy is now finished. And get this, literally in the Greek, means that his joy, has now, he's now crammed full with joy. <laughs> That's awesome. I just want to be crammed full with the joy of Jesus today. How about you? That sounds really, really good. Uh, honestly, I know there are a lot of people, and maybe some of you are here today, and if that's the case, that's okay. You couldn't find yourself in a better place this Sunday morning. And you do not have this kind of joy. And I understand many do not have this kind of joy today. Many people are suffering today, and we do not make light of that. There are a number of valid reasons for a lack of joy in God's people. But what we want to um, make plain today is that joy has been made available to every single human being because Jesus has come regardless of your circumstances or your season. You can tap into an abundance of joy because the advent is here. This is what Jesus' advent promises to bring us. So if that is the truth, and it is because it is Scripture, how do you receive and walk in this full measure of heavenly joy? Well, let's look at the context of this story a little bit because I believe that John's journey mirrors our journey in how we are able to receive and walk in an abundance of heavenly joy. So what we see here is we see the ministry of Jesus that is now well underway, okay? We've, we've had a few years now of Jesus having been baptized by John as a rabbi, stepping out into his own ministry, and now he and his disciples are beginning to baptize disciples of Jesus. So right away, what we see is a side-by-side -side comparison. And how many of you guys know that comparison is always the thief of joy? Wow. Teddy Roosevelt said that. Perhaps you've seen that graffitied somewhere, right? And so John, he's been baptizing for a number of years. You might even say that John is now an exceptional baptizer. John's reputation is now known because of his ability to baptize people so well. I mean, he can baptize like 100 people in an hour. He's like a pro. He's like, ba-boom. You know what I'm saying? Like his, his identity could actually be anchored in his ability to baptize. Okay, you got to catch this, all right? So he's starting to identify as John the... Right? And so he has all this value and all of this worth wrapped up in his assignment. He's been doing this for a long time. In fact, he's been doing this a lot longer than Jesus. Jesus just arrives on the scene and begins to baptize. And then all of a sudden, there's this Jew that enters the chat. And then he comes in and he's like, which baptisms are better? Right? Just poking a little bit, right? John was happy doing his thing. He was experiencing the joy of fulfilling his assignment in the kingdom of God. And then all of a sudden there's this knucklehead that comes along and says, oh, you think your baptism is so good, huh? Well, guess what? The guy you baptized is over there baptizing way more people than you. Right? That's what you see happening. 
And you guys all know what that's like. Because there's something that you're really good at. And you've been doing it for like a decade. And then there's some newbie. Right? That comes onto the scene and is better than you in three months. What you've been doing for 13 years. And, you know, somebody's like, hey, I don't know if you heard about that guy doing double the baptisms. Oh, it's hitting home right now. I know. I know. I know. And, uh, you know, so he's talking a little bit about which baptism is best. And uh, some scholars actually believe that this Jew may have been baptized by Jesus personally. Nonetheless, there is something that I would call a comparison trap that is being laid before the feet of John the Baptist. And we, we can already tell that this news has caused the opposite of joy for John's disciples. What is the opposite of joy? The opposite of joy is actually sorrow. This causes sorrow for John's disciples. So after the discussion, they go back to John and they say, Hey, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him, he who was with you. They won't even say the name of Jesus because of their frustration. Instead of saying, Jesus, you know the guy that you said was the Messiah? You know that all of history hinges upon and all of our writings up until this point have pointed us to, yeah, that guy? We're not even going to say his name. You see what I'm saying? Like They're visibly frustrated. They're angry and they're upset. And they're saying, you're the rabbi. You baptize him. Who does he think he is baptizing more people than you? You're the leader. You're the spiritual father. You're the boss. You're the manager. You're the veteran. You're the most experienced. You're the most qualified. You have the most awards on the shelf. You are the one that should be leading the show. And here's this new guy showing up. And he's stealing all of the attention. That's, what, that's what's happening. That's why John's disciples are coming to him. And, uh, and you, you, have to, you have to consider the fact that um, when they say, to whom you bore witness, meaning you are the one who empowered this guy. You are the one who told the world that he was the man. You are the one that set him up for success. And so now he's eclipsing you, Right. And this is, what, this is what takes place anytime jealousy is present. Yeah, yeah. Sorrow. Here's what jealousy always leads your heart to. Sorrow. Yeah. Every single time. Jealousy, if you will embrace it, will always lead your heart to a destination. Big sign. Sorrowville. Yeah. <laughs> Population, you. As long as you stay driving that car of jealousy, you're just headed for more grief. You've literally got, no, I'm not. That's it. All are going to him, right? And that's how you get when you get jealous. You start blowing everything out of proportion. Oh, oh, everybody. Oh, right? You just go into your own little pity party, right? Everybody, Lord, everybody but me is blessed. Yeah, I know, I know. It's hitting home right now. My bad. I forgot to give this sermon a rated R disclaimer for real. Um, 
Even, even, some of, even some of John's disciples, they've even left. You can read scripture and see that. They've left to follow Jesus. And, um, and here's the thing. How do you know that you're jealous? Sorrow is a signal. Here's how you know that you're jealous. When someone else's success causes you sorrow, jealous. Ding, ding. It's just flashing right there in the front. Check your heart. Jealousy. Covetedness. Jealousy. Oh, I'm happy for them. Lord, really? Everybody. Jealous. Stay in, that, stay in that lane. You're headed to sorrow. I can guarantee it 100% of the time. And this is the test that I call the jealousy, competition, and comparison test. The JCC. I just made that up. This is the same test that all of us are going to have to face. And here's the deal. You're facing it right now or you're about to face it because it comes for us all. We've all got to face the same test of jealousy, competition, and comparison. And if you fail to pass this test, you will fail to experience the abundance of feelings of joy that Jesus' advent came to bring you. So how do you pass that test? Because you'll have friends like John's disciples that will come knock on your door or call you or text you or screenshot stuff that somebody who's doing better than you post and send it to you. And then they will say, hey, embrace jealousy. Compete with this guy. Put her in her place. Post a passive aggressive tweet that is about her, but don't say her name. They don't care. Let me just tell you. However, John provides an example here and does not take the bait of jealousy. He doesn't, right? And um, so we all know this is that it's, it's, if it's probably happening now. And even if it's not, uh, it's going to happen soon enough. Someone you watch closely is going to pass you up. It's going to happen. Somebody you watch closely, somebody you know, hey, get this. It might even be somebody you've mentored. It might even be somebody you've discipled. It might even be somebody that has worked for you in a previous season and you were their boss. That's going to happen. And if it's not happening now, it's going to happen eventually. And social media makes this experience so accessible. Oh. Ching. Jealous. Probably happened today. Is, is that not real? Right? And so John did not take the bait. How do we do what John did? All right? That's what I want to get into. Because if you will respond as John responded, guess what? Your joy is going to be made complete. You're going to level up in joy this holiday season. You're going to be flooded with joy. You're going to walk in an abundance of joy. You're going to have a lifestyle of joy. Wow. Who doesn't want that? Come on. So jealousy is a signal that you're at a fork in the road. 
You can go the route of comparison or you can go to the route of joy and experience all of the feelings of favor. Now, let's get into the God's big truth bomb of the day. John chapter 3 verse 27 says this. Uh, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. So John was critically aware of where all gifts, somebody say all, all. and where all positions, somebody say all, all, flow from. They flow from God. Nobody can do anything good unless God blesses them to do so. Now, I'm going to say that again because if you don't get anything else today, church, you have to get this, okay? This is God's big truth bomb of the passage. Nobody can do anything good unless God blesses them to do so. God's truth bomb. I have a slide for it. All gifts and positions come from God. We have to remember this when we're tempted by the, the, the comparison trap of jealousy, competition, and comparison. We have to first remember the truth. We have to build our life on the truth. We have to stand strong on the truth. And we have to recognize when somebody else gets blessed, they get blessed because of God's goodness. And he allowed that. He promoted them. He blessed them, right? Look at Psalm chapter 75, verse 6 and 7. For promotion, I gave you the old school KJV. For promotion cometh. Neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south, nor from social media, nor from influencers, nor from famous people, nor from movie stars, nor from any of those things. None of that. Nope. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. That is the reality. Instead of competing, John showed compassion and he showed honor and he showed reverence for the ministry of Jesus. He said, no, 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 God has raised this man up. When you are tempted by the comparison trap, the first thing you need to do is you need to remember the truth and say, no, no, God has raised this one up. So now that you've become mindful of that, let's do a little miniature uh, activation. All right. First and foremost, let's just all say this together. A person cannot receive, person cannot receive. even one thing, even one thing. Unless, it unless it is given to him from heaven. Or her. You guys got it? Yep, that's it. Okay, okay. So, I got a slide, and you're going to get to insert somebody's name. Look at this. Yep. We're going there today. It's time to do business with the comparison traps that the enemy has laid in front of you today because you're going to leave this room walking in an abundance of joy. Somebody say, that's me. So now insert their name. I got two blanks right there. So just think about them. You don't even have to say out loud. And if it's your spouse and they're sitting next to you, definitely don't say it out loud. I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're saying this. God, I acknowledge that Betty, Susie, John, Karen, definitely Karen, uh, has received blessing from you. You have promoted them. I choose today to no longer compete or to compare, but I choose to celebrate in Jesus' name. I am free from jealousy, and I am leveling up in joy. This is my portion. This is a powerful choice that you can make. John chose not to compete. John chose to be faithful with his own gifts. He chose to be faithful with his own calling. And get this, 
Joy does not come from competing and winning. Joy comes from being obedient to God. Let me say it again. Joy does not come from winning. Joy comes from obedience. If you win, you may have a temporary moment of the emotion of fleeting joy, and it will feel very good for a moment. But let me tell you, it will not be an anchor in your soul. It will not be something that you can return back to. It will not be something that you can carry into the storms of life. Joy doesn't come from winning. Joy comes from obedience. Come on, church. Let your joy be made complete today. In life, I guarantee this, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. That's just the way life is. But your joy does not flow from winning. Your joy flows from celebrating the win and the victory of Jesus. You may not win, but guess what? Jesus already won. You can celebrate that. So, you know, I got like three points here to like just stay in joy. And the first one I've kind of already given you, but this is my first official point. Number one is this. Don't compare, celebrate. Don't compare, celebrate. Anytime that comparison trap gets laid out before you, acknowledge it. Jealousy, ding, ding, ding. Nope, I'm not going to Sorrowville. No thanks. Not today. Nope. It's not happening. Throwing it, hitting the brakes, pulling the emergency brake, whatever you got to do. And you say, no, 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 I'm not competing. I'm celebrating. I'm going to celebrate. And, you know, it may be hard to celebrate them. It may hurt to celebrate them. And if it hurts real bad, then figure out their PayPal or Cash App and send them an offering. It's hard to root against somebody you've made an investment into. How many of you guys buy a stock and pray that it plummets? If I start getting cash apps after this, let me tell you. I'll receive it. Um, (laughs) All right, let me me move into point two here. Uh, So here's what John does. John remembers his calling, actually. And instead of comparing, here's what John does. John looks to God and what God has called him to do. And if you look at verse 28, it says, You yourselves bear me witness that I already said this. Look, John is recollecting on his own assignment. John is remembering his call. He's not trying to do someone else's call because he knows that he's not called to do what Jesus has been called to do by God. He's been called to do something else. You want to know how to waste your life? Try to fulfill someone else's call. That's a wasted life, right? And so what John does is he says, I'm not the Christ. I've already told you guys this. I know you're laying this comparison trap out before my feet, but I ain't taking the bait. You know why? Because it's not my assignment. I have a calling. I'm not competing. I have a calling. I'm not comparing. I have a calling, and I'm going to stay focused on that calling. Comparison steals joy, but focusing on your call causes your joy to increase. And that's point two, very simple. Stay focused on your own calling. Don't get caught up looking over the fence at somebody else's promised land. Because here's what I can guarantee. You start spying out somebody else's promised land, man, I want that over there. I want that. When you get over there, you're not even going to be satisfied. You know why? Because the way Jesus has fashioned you is so that you are fulfilled within your own promised land. 
So don't waste years of your life trying to inhabit someone else's promise. Just stay focused on your own promise and follow through on that. And here's the guarantor. Joy will be your portion. Your joy will be made complete. Joy will come in abundance. Now let's move on to the last point. And this point, guys, it, 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 it's somewhat of a little turn here, but you just got to get the illustration, okay, because it's so wonderful. Here's what John says. John says, I'm not the man. I'm the best man. I want you to catch that. Because what we all have to do within our own lives is we have to forsake our right, our desire to be the man. Everybody, all of us, doesn't matter what context, you have to say, I'm not the man. I'm the best man. Jesus is the man. Jesus should be the man in all of our lives. None of us should be looking for a lifestyle that we are affirmed in such a way that big man on campus, what up? That's me. I'm the man. I'm the man around here. No, don't be the man. Be the best man so that Jesus can be the man in your life. And so John confesses this calling and he understands something. Joy flows from accepting and honoring your role in the ministry of Jesus. Let me say it again. I actually have a slide because I thought it was so important. Joy flows from accepting and honoring your specific role in the ministry of Jesus. Uh, you know, I grew up playing basketball and you know, you know the worst teammate? Somebody who didn't know their role. Somebody who couldn't shoot a lick. They're like 7-1. They needed to be dunking. They're like, I'm going to shoot threes. Dude, if you don't get in the paint. You know what I'm saying, right? And we have a whole lot of people like that in the kingdom. I want to preach. You couldn't preach your way out of a paper bag. Like, you should be... That's okay. Who cares? You know what? I can't do all kinds of stuff you guys are so good at. Like, I'm terrible at some of those things, and that's fine. When did we ever get to a point where we exalted this as, like, the primary expression of empowerment in the kingdom of God? Please. Please. Come on. <laughs> the Lord, when we all get to heaven, the Lord's not going to be like, man, you preached a lot of good messages. When you come? <laughs> no. Yeah. Come on, man. So John says, I'm the best man. And in Hebrew, this is the word shoshben. Everybody say shoshben. shoshben. Didn't you like saying that? It's just got a wonderful way about it. The shoshben. <laughs> it's Christmas. <laughs> and so get this. I did a little research on the shoshben. Why do I want to say that with a Scottish accent? I'm terrible at accents. They all eventually go one way. <laughs> and I don't know what that accent is. It just, it's just... So the Shoshbin. Um, in Jewish culture, I did a little research on this, the Shoshbin. His role, I'm going to stop saying that. It's now the best man from now on. The best man, he had a responsibility. And his responsibility was to woo the bride for the bridegroom. That was actually the responsibility of the best man. His, he was like, I'm going to woo the bride. Oh, the bridegroom wants her? This is how you should be in your job. The bridegroom wants him. 
This is how you should be as you just do your life. The bridegroom wants her. I'm going to woo her for the bridegroom. See, this is your ministry assignment, right? And so the bridegroom, the, 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 the friend of the bridegroom had all these responsibilities. He, he, had, the, he had to arrange the ceremony. And, uh, and some, some uh, scholars actually will include that he would walk because in Hebrew, uh, in a Hebrew context, the wedding ceremony was not complete until consummation. And so he would actually walk with the couple and be like, get out of the way, get out of the way. They're going to the bridal chamber. Excuse me. And he would walk until they went to the bridal chamber and he would stand Outside of the bridal chamber until the duty was done. And he'd be like, okay. The deal was sealed. Okay. And then guess what? He would say, my assignment is complete. Now my joy is complete. That's why John was able to say, my joy is complete. He could say that. Why? Because his assignment was complete. His assignment was complete. And so as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, how do you guys think that the bridegroom is rejoicing over the bride today? I mean, genuinely. How much joy do you think that the bridegroom has over the bride right now? I got an illustration. Let's play a little video here. From Jesus Christ before Almighty God and in the name of the Father and of His Son, Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. what I was thinking. I now pronounce you one together. So I wanted to show you guys that because I think that is an accurate depiction of how the bridegroom rejoices over the bride. Did you guys see that joy? If you saw that joy, say amen. So here's the thing. When you complete your assignment, the joy of the bridegroom becomes the joy of the bride. It becomes the joy of the best man. It becomes the joy of the shoshbin. You get to receive that same joy. Literally, his joy becomes your joy. That is the kind of joy that you can expect as a result of following these three steps. Number one, remember, don't compare, celebrate. Number two, stay focused on your own calling. And number three, the most joy comes from doing what you're most called to do, helping others meet and marry the bridegroom. If you are lacking in joy, you are definitely not evangelizing. If you are lacking in joy, you are definitely not sharing the gospel with your friends. If you do not have any joy, you are definitely not being a light unto a dark world for Jesus. Now, to accurately represent uh, the experience of the best man and how we do our job, I actually have another video for you guys. 
And uh, I want you to watch this video. This is kind of a, uh, as I'm winding down here, I want you to watch this video because this, and, and as you do, maybe I'll narrate a little bit, but as you do, I want you to watch, I want you to watch the friend of the bridegroom because this is the role that we have. Now, that is the job of the friend of the bridegroom well done. That is the experience that we get to have as we participate in the ministry of Jesus, bringing the bride to the bridegroom and being with the bridegroom as he encounters and makes covenant with the bride. Did you see how the joy that the friend of the bridegroom began to receive as he encouraged the covenant this is the experience that each and every one of us get to have. Ultimately, this is the purpose of your life's work. Ultimately, this is the purpose of your life's work to not only become God's bride, but to introduce others to the bridegroom and to help arrange their covenant. This is the primary work of your life. John accomplished his assignment. He experienced great joy. And the same will be true for you. If you will participate in your assignment to introduce other people to the bridegroom, you are guaranteed to experience exceedingly great joy. Guaranteed. Because as John completes his work, he transitions into a new season of his life. That's what happens. He levels up in his joy. And I do believe that jealousy is always an indicator of an invitation into a new season. God is inviting you to level up in your joy. He is putting something before you and allowing you to make a powerful choice to step over the comparison trap and to step into a new measure of heavenly, holy joy. And we have to respond properly in order to step into it. Church, this is what the advent of Jesus came to bring us. Joy. Joy to the world. Joy to the world. That was the message. The Lord has come. 
He came for a purpose. He came at a dark time in human history to bring the light, to bring the joy, to bring joy from a superior reality called the kingdom of heaven. And that joy is available for you today. John chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus' words, he said this, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. The great news is it's not even your joy that brings about this experience. It's the joy of Jesus. If we will surrender to it, if we will yield to it, we will experience supernatural joy that is not of ourself, that is not of this world, but it flows freely from the person of Christ Jesus. That is the joy that you have. The joy you have is not defined by culture. The joy that you have is defined by the culture of heaven. So remember these big truths. Remember these three points. And now I want to pray for joy for us today, church. I want to pray for more joy. And I want to pray for the release from sorrow today. Because we are a house. We are a family that is stepping into a new season where we are leveling up in our joy. We are going to be the joy bringers. We're going to spark joy left and right. We're going to be the ones that bring the light of joy into every single atmosphere that we step into for the rest of 2020 and all throughout 2021. No matter what happens in our world, we will carry the joy of the Lord. And we declare this in Jesus' name. If you don't mind, as we pray, I just want to invite you to stand, please. And we're going to close. I just want to pray over you. And uh, first and foremost, I just want to pray for the release of sorrow. For some of us in here, we have been in the cycle of competition and comparison and jealousy for so long that our portion has become sorrow. Sorrow has become our day-to-day expectation. So today, Lord, we break the hamster wheel of jealousy and competition and comparison. If you have found yourself on that hamster wheel of sorrow today, just exit it. Just get off of it. The hand of the Lord is not too short to save. He is strong and He is able and He crushes that wheel. He crushes that cycle. He crushes those habits. He crushes jealousy. He crushes competition and comparison in your life. Lord, I declare that your people are set free from sorrow right now in Jesus' name. That they are coming out tried by fire, but they are coming out as gold. You set them free from sorrow today. Lord Jesus, you deposit your joy into their hearts right now. I just pray for every single person in the room and those of you who are watching online for the joy of the Lord to begin to bubble up in your spirit in this moment. I pray for the joy of the Lord, for you to feel it. Even physically, for some of you, you will feel the joy of the Lord begin to move on the inside of you. It's almost like you got butterflies, you know. But it's the joy of the Lord, like erupting like a volcano. The joy is emerging. The joy is coming forth. Yes, I know the enemy tried to bury it. But his secrets have been revealed and destroyed today. And now the joy is coming forth in a new way for a new season for such a time as this. Because this is your portion as a child of God. Joy comes from the knowing that you have been accepted in the presence of God. You are accepted. Just say, I am accepted. 
That means joy belongs to you. Everybody say, I am accepted. That means joy belongs to you. Joy belongs to you. And with this joy, I do not want you to neglect your assignment. Just because it's Christmas doesn't mean we take a time out from our callings. We have a calling, and that is to go out and get the bride for the bridegroom. That is to go out and look for the bride. Look for her amongst the highways and the byways. Look for her amongst the wildernesses of life. Look for the bride. In the last places, you know that she should be. There she is. Look for the bride and bring her to the bridegroom. Do not neglect your assignment because this is a big part of our inheritance. Get more joy. Go get the bride to go get joy. It is for you. It is for you. Everybody just say, I receive it. Everybody say, I agree with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.